Welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan, and that's not Matt. It is Rachel D. Hey, Rachel, we're eating you for profit. There is no way to stop it. Well, I had to make some time for one another and really love one another because that's so hard to find. So I... Sorry if I'm eating you for profit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay. I understand. It's, it's the way of the world. And we're joined by a special guest, uh, DJ Bean. Hey, DJ, Boogeyman, you've got to help us. Can you? Stay woke. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we are discussing the new album by Childish Gambino, uh, the, uh, which is called Awaken My Love! Exclamation point. Uh, and this is an awesome album. It is a, you know, I would have said... Up until I heard the album, you know, uh, uh, actor slash rapper, uh, Childish Gambino, aka Donald Glover, but this has, uh, become something else altogether, right? That, uh, he, he is now actor slash rapper slash funk auteur. Um, and, and it is, uh, this is a really cool album, um, a departure from the other Childish Gambino albums, but something I think that fits really well with, um, with 2016 in music and in kind of coming out in December 2016 scene is a a fitting cap um on on a year in music or a, a couple of years in music kind of stretching through um a number of i mean i guess maybe all the way back it, it's almost like a long arc that i feel like uh i would almost draw at least to um d'angelo's black messiah uh and kind of through with a line through um to pimp a butterfly and so sure. uh like a seat at the table um and with a number of kind of other stops around along the way right that it's 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 simultaneously both retro and very timely, right? Yeah, and I, I wondered when this came out. Like one of my first thoughts was, is Donald Glover trying to make Childish Gambino bigger than Donald Glover because he does so many projects, whether it's obviously television, movies, stand up, um, all the the various things that he does. But Childish Gambino was essentially a rap outlet, and this album is such a departure from all the stuff that he's done previously that I wondered why he wouldn't just make this its own kind of thing. Um, call this some sort of new band or new group or new artist that he is. But because as you mentioned with D'Angelo, with Kendrick, um, with more and more artists, funk is kind of becoming the norm in rap in, and in R and B that it's conceivable that even for the, the kind of comedian rapper to do it, it's, it's not too inappropriate. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. I think we'll return to this, but I remember kind of hearing about his work as a rapper. I mean, I, I had been watching Community since um, the beginning, um, but I remember there was an article around – I think 2010, around when his first couple of mixtapes uh, came out, the I Am Just a Rapper mixtapes, uh, which was him just rapping uh, uh, over, over like mostly indie rock beats, like, it, like, um, like Neon Indian and Sleigh Bells and things like that, right? Uh, and on every song he said, I do not talk, I am just a rapper, right? And, and, and that was like lumped in. There was, an, I remember an article, I think in the New York Times, on kind of comedy and rap that talked about childish gambino um das racist and um and uh uh lonely island um and and they're kind of very different but there, it was it was kind of you know the new york times attempt to create a trendlet uh yeah and, yeah um and i think you're right and, and, and that, that i think it's this idea of possibly dropping childish gambino as a name is is interesting because right this was generated at least apocryphally from um donald glover using the online wu-tang name generator <laughs> Yeah. And 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 I think that it, that that's been kind of it's it's morphed um, you know uh, light years beyond that. I mean, I remember when I put this on um, at home, Rachel. I think your initial ex- response was, "What is this?" Yeah, because <laughs> you, you were definitely su- very surprised that, to learn what. Uh, like, this why was... are you playing a funk album, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, what, like what 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 motive is like? Where did this? You know, where did the impulse come from? <laughs> and it came from that hot new childish Gambino album. Right. Well, I, I know that, and that's what's so funny. Like everyone's hyping it, and I mean, I have an understanding of Childish Gambino. I enjoy his work. I do not consider myself a Childish Gambino diehard. This is by far the strongest um, reaction I've had to a Childish Gambino record. But I was anticipating the Childish Gambino record, having heard Redbone, but still expecting, you know, like 
homegirls drop it like the NASDAQ type of stuff. And <laughs> when, and I, I know like the more you're into them, kind of the better you're prepared for what was about to hit, but it's, it still punches you in the face in such a way that honestly, the first three or four songs I was texting with friends who were listening to it at the same time. And I was like, guys, I can't, I don't think I'm going to be able to get into this because I just can't take him. I, I can't take this seriously. He does so many different <laughs> things that I feel like, and um, I think we all read the, the vulture piece about it. Uh, it does seem at points, especially on the first listen for me, like he was m- less singing and more kind of putting on a voice yeah. because he's not, a, he's not a very good singer and you, you don't, I don't care if you're a good singer. If the, if the music's dope, I'm, I'm totally into it. But the, the early songs on the album, like hearing him trying to be so genuinely uh, funk and, and I guess just weird, it seemed, it's, it sounded to me more like a bit from community than an actual song. But the more you hear of it and just really the deeper you get into the album, because I, I changed my mind while on the first listen of the album that like, no, he's actually doing this. And this is a committed, yes, derivative, but a a committed funk project. And if you can't, I, I don't understand how someone can, couldn't get down with that. <laughs> yeah, uh, 100%. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll delve into it a lot more. So uh, listeners, if you have not yet listened to Awaken My Love by Childish Gambino, pause the podcast, go and listen to it. It is a, it's a brisk like 48 minutes. And I think it, it rips through, right? Like I, I feel like this just, yeah. it, it goes it goes down smooth <laughs> um, and uh, is very cool. I mean, and we'll talk into the sequencing because it like on the one hand kind of hits a lot of like bangers but it's like a very well sequenced album right and kind of plays with with tempo and kind of texture really well and so it's like it's a really it is just like a really well put together album and is is a fun 48 minutes so uh go ahead and listen to um awaken my love and uh we'll uh come back we'll be right back to you after this word from our commercial sponsors do you like Smart, funny comedy? (laughs) Sure. Well, why not check out all six seasons of Community? (laughs) All six seasons? Well, maybe the one on Yahoo is skippable. (laughs) Well, you know, actually, maybe, you know, there's the one where Dan Harmon wasn't writing, and that's skippable, too. Well, you know, I like like check out the second season of Community. I was gonna start with maybe the fourth or fifth episode of season one, get a feel for what they're trying to do with the female characters, then skip ahead to season two. You're yeah, good. Exactly. Watch watch the paintball episode, uh, or or the Nerf yes. Wars. Yeah, the yeah, the paintball the, episode. The, the Goodfellas episode is very good. And then fast forward about like I don't know, fourteen minutes in. Yeah, and then and then go and then watch Rick and Morty. Um, <laughs> so, guys, what I'm saying is Dan Harmon, great on paper. Maybe don't watch it all end to end. Uh, all, but do not skip the opening credits because that song. I think it's is that the '88. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, listen to that. That's a great, very brief uh, theme song that. Uh, you don't want to skip because it's good. So community. So community. There's some stuff there that's worth engaging with. Yvette Nicole Brown is an American treasure. <laughs> community. And we're back. <laughs> Yo, okay, so so Rachel and DJ, I have, I have a question. Guys, for I kind of want to watch Community now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, just joke. like watch, like I mean, just like watch one episode. You'll be you'll be satiated. I mean, <laughs> yeah, for a year. So I, I have a question for you guys to kind of open things up, right? So this this 2016 childish Gambino, um, with his with his funk jams and his complete lack of of rapping. Is this music that uh, his uh, obnoxious, aggressive fans that we encountered in 2014 at the Boston Calling Music Festival would be down with? Uh, question mark. I had that conversation the other day, actually, um, because it, it, when I think of Childish Gambino, I think that we all have the same reaction because um, we saw Childish Gambino shortly after Lord. And yeah. Lord played one of the most um, 
welcoming is maybe the wrong word, but it was just there was such a sense of community because it had rained that day. The festival had been yeah. broken up and everybody came back. And Lord, who was still 17 or 18 at the time, did this just wonderful, powerful set in the pouring rain. And everyone felt so good. And there was such a sense of togetherness. And then the Childish Gambino fans showed up for Childish Gambino's set and were basically they were Childish Gambino fans. They were um, every bad stereotype of a frat boy. And that's not my cup of tea. So to basically rephrase exactly what you just said, I put very little stock in how much they can, um, I guess, cognitively uh, appreciate. And I could see themselves. I could see those guys kind of twisting themselves into a pretzel, trying to be like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm down with the, the, the funk. I, I listen to it. <laughs> well, I mean, this is an interesting question. I mean, I, I, I'm actually now ref- on reflection. It seems like by – almost by accident, um, the three of us are there on this podcast wind up at kind of inadvertent uh, – accidental frat fests together, um, <laughs> right? So that we, we end, ended up it, kind of stranded in Gambino land uh, at that Boston Calling Festival. And then we also – the three of us ended up um, – we were the like three drum fans uh, among a handful of drum fans yes. at the Glass Animals concert, um, <laughs> which was also. I mean, what was it? What like? Uh, what, what was it that we said? As uh, you put it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, please, like I, I've already forgotten my my. The it's shade my favorite line ever, and I've since <laughs> used it uh, without giving you credit because I'm so proud of it that no, I no, want to. I, I think it's so smart that I wish I had thought of it. Uh, it is. Uh, glass animals concerts are where Dave Matthews fans go to cheat on Dave Matthews right, fans. That, yep, that is what I said. Uh, uh, that, that is clever. Like, when you wonder what they do with the rest of their time, because all they do is talk about how like they're going to see Dave and the new yeah. Dave is so good. And you're like, is, is there six hours of their day that they do anything else? And we found out that yes. Yeah, they go see glass animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that, and and so it's interesting that we've wound up. You know, it, it's it, it's an interesting space that is ends up on on like in the in the periphery of kind of contemporary hip hop and contemporary indie music is like are these things that are like very that. Uh, you know, not only is like kind of fratty, but more general, like college rock, right? Um, it's, uh, it, we're, we're we're caught in a societal mosh, essentially. Yeah, it's like well, yeah, you know, like you, you don't intend to be in the mosh pit, but your love of whatever music you went to see just gets you in that situation. And whether you can be way in the back and you're still kind of caught in that mosh. Yeah, I mean, what is it? I, I, this is interesting because we've not really talked about this kind of frat rock college rock um that much i mean in part because you know for me uh, you know the the principles on on tft are you know well more than a a decade removed from college and and you're you're a bit out out yourself i mean what is it what is it that makes because it's it's not even like it's a little different than even like the kids these days right That, that you know what is it about kind of the the what what makes something Ecology in 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 in, a, in terms of a fan base and like the culture because um, the the childish Gambino is I think what what surprised me was not only the makeup of the fan base but was like the level of popularity right that uh, and, yeah. and, and that and, and and that it was kind of it was very un- unanimously popular among a kind of you know around i'd say 21 to 23 year olds right or 20 to 22 year olds or something like that um, yeah well i mean he's also not like uh, I, I don't know if you guys have uh watched the show insecure but someone asks uh, a woman on it who's in her 20s and he's uh he's like why does every uh like, why does every uh, college-educated woman uh, identify so much with Drake? And she just, like, spit, like, right. She's like, oh, my God, he speaks to us. I feel that that's kind of the, the feeling that a lot of guys in that age range feel towards Childish Gambino because he's a wise ass. He prioritizes, say, being clever over being... Um, over being particularly musical, you know, and 
I think that maybe older, and this isn't to say that um, like 23-year-old music fans can't be sophisticated because they, they sure as hell can, but I think that it's just on more of a basic level, he hits on kind of where their heads are at. And that's... It, it, that that happens with every type of music, you know, like the, like, I don't know if if you're rapping about like cars and money and stuff, the people who want cars and money are going to feel that. But if you're telling jokes basically in your songs as one of my friends is a music critic and he hates the term punchline rap because that makes it sound like it's, um, this sort of good thing that other rappers aren't capable of doing when in reality, essentially you're just making your jokes rhyme. And I right. just think that, that people of that age that's kind of suited for them yeah it is interesting what well, I, I imagine that it's both that age i think that also i think this idea of the oh my god this speaks to me or he speaks to me is like something that is even more salient around that time right and so like and 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 i think that there are for different people what it is that speaks to you that it varies and i think at different moments different kind of things speak to a, a generation so i i think that like for, like for me the oh my god this speaks to me uh, of my early 20s and my college years was was emo right like yeah. you know oh my god connor ober speaks to me or oh my god uh, uh D- dashboard confessional speaks to me um and i was i'm sure i was the obnoxious pain in the ass of some like you know at that time 30 something indie rock fan uh, as i was like you know emoting all over everyone um (laughs) at at these at these shows i mean Rachel, what do you think about the kind of colleginess of childish gambino fan uh you know it's i think it's hard it, you know, I was thinking about it. it's like hard for me to understand or, or or type like what it is that makes something sort of collegey. Um, I think just because like my college experience was spent like cannibalizing the college rock of other time periods. Right. So it's like I spent a lot of time listening to like the Pixies. Right. Right. It's like the first time I listened to the Pixies and like modest mouse and like kind of like like listening to things that are just like a little bit before like the very moment right like the very moment i was living in and like actually like current music very rarely made it into my college years like very rarely like did it like scratch like did it break through the kind of constant stream of like kind of just like uh down the middle classics like you know over over listening to elvis costello and like velvet underground and you know ran like like the bad sonic youth albums for whatever reason but like i don't know yeah so it's like hard because i i feel like weirdly i spent my college years like listening to older things and then like occasionally something current would like make the the cut you know and like get into rotation like and normally it was like something that sounded like something kind of older like ted leo made that cut but that was like during the time i was real hot and heavy on elvis costello so there was like this kind of constant rotation of ted leo and then elvis costello but um yeah and i don't know so it's interesting because i think i think it is like an impressionable time i think it's like a especially because like you're in a you're sort of in this you're still kind of like usually getting into college in this kind of adolescent mindset where you're like very like concerned about like who you really are. Yeah. Right. And like, and it's this, I, I think you don't have like the, it's like, so I think it matters that something really speaks to you because you're like spending a lot of time thinking about who you really are and yeah. what, what it really means to be you. Right. Cause you're still in this, like, you're, you're still trying to like, what what's like the term like you're still trying to like individuator yeah. is that right yeah, like totally. there's still a lot of energy being thrown into that activity and like it it you know as you get older you're just sort of like well whatever like i'm i i i am what i like you kind of know yourself better and you know that like yourself is like a malleable thing that will like <laughs> require different different things from you at different times in your <laughs> life right uh so I think, yeah, I think it's, like, music that, like, speaks to you is, like, I think all about that, like, individuation process of, like, I need to know myself. I need and to really, know. And really the ones that kind of have the loudest qualities that stand out because, I mean, you can take a lot of artists and say they're this, they're this, they're this, and they're this. 
Um, but artists like Childish Gambino, artists like the Pixies, like what are the Pixies? They're they're goddamn loud, you know. Yeah. Um, what are what is Childish Gambino? He's clever. At least that's the thing that that stands out to me. And when there's one totally easily identifiable thing, I mm. think that any young man, any um, college student fancies themselves uh, clever, which I mean, if you think about it, to, to Rachel's point, as a 28 year old adult, I consider myself clever, but I consider myself a million other things. But right. when you have right. an artist who has one of those loud qualities that stands out that is super i mean it's like um it's it's like going on a date and being like hey do you like pizza and they're like yes i like pizza <laughs> and you think oh my god we have so much in common you know that yeah. i think that's kind of how you relate to those um those kind of pillar artists that that do their one thing so so prominently no and you you know i think right i think when you're younger like that pizza thing matters a lot and then you get as you get older you realize that there's like plenty of people who don't like pizza who are totally agreeable to you in other ways and that like you might actually like more than the people who do like pizza right or there's like context specific uses of pizza like pizza is great in a specific uh situation or a specific kind of pizza is good right but but like I, i mean college is i think there also is this sense of i mean not that childish gambino is a lowest common denominator but you're there's a search for these common denominators right and it's like do you like childish gambino i also like childish gambino right it's like yeah. it's the same reason that at least when i was in college like there was always like a like scarface or bob marley poster on every wall right because the, like these Guilty. are right right i mean like these are these are good things but it's like because you want to be you want to have something that is is interesting and, and engaging and connects to you but is also like not like so out there that you might be like so weird right um and yeah. some people are like take that leap or find a smaller subculture but there is a sense of like wait wait how what are the odds we all love childish gambino (laughs) (laughs) well i think some people to your point like probably do create litmus tests like right but i think that's also part of getting older is that like passing this arbitrary litmus test may not actually be sufficient for like friendship or romance or whatever that you could be like that like that that those like those the, like preferences and tastes are sometimes not like the end all be all and like are not like the end all be all of what makes you like a person. So so kind of segueing back to uh, Awaken My Love, like so I guess this is an interesting question of like does Awaken My Love pass the college litmus test, the the college rock litmus test or is this, you know, Rachel kind of mapped out a this sense of kind of a progression and maturation. Like, you know, is this a hard left turn? Is this a progression and kind of, you know, something that maybe grows up with Gambino's fan base or um or 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 is this yeah, like how how do we see this with respect to what we thought kind of the previous stretch of of Gambino's uh, career was kind of doing uh with respect to his kind of core fan base i mean i think for some people this album must be like extremely alienating right like they're like Mm. they're like upset they're not hearing like they're not hearing rapping right like Like, where's where's the i like i made the beat and murdered it casey anthony anthony it's it's his black album right Mm -hmm. it's it's his black album um he kind of filled one one hole uh very well and now that he's got all those people kind of on board, if that's the only thing that they can identify with, they can't to, to circle yeah. back to what we were talking about earlier. Like they cannot be down with that. Yeah. Um, there's no clever wordplay on this album. The lyrics, uh, the, the songs I should say have very few lyrics. A lot of it is kind of short verses, big choruses. And that is God. That is the exact opposite of childish Gambino vintage childish Gambino he'll have maybe one or two choruses and just kind of these marathon verses. He, he's, he would essentially try to make each song his own control verse and t- try 10 times at it. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and, and often there were only a couple of those on every album. Right. And it was, yeah. like the albums were always kind of odd. Cause it was, there was like, you know, one or two massive singles. Um, and then a lot of other stuff that was kind of in this 
kind of uh, not again not to be too dismissive of it, but this is kind of like like Drake, like you know, it's it's like like uh, the 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 Drake um, kind of like like also rans right, like a lot yeah. of this like I'm going to rap and also sing my hook, but like uh, but uh, but I'm going to do both at a slightly like lower level than if I were just <laughs> focusing on one or the other. <laughs> right. That that is by the way that is just Drake in a nutshell. That was a perfect summary of Drake. Right. But but it's that, you know Drake at least does that at a at a higher level, right? Like um or at least a higher level of like self-absorption, right? Like yes. uh and and uh right? I mean even even right like the earliest Drake was thank me later. <laughs> and yeah. uh, right uh and 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 that uh, and he's certainly like uh, fulfilled that that promise um to the consumers but i i think that you know in some ways um you know the best childish gambino songs were the ones that didn't did not have hooks i would argue before right that were the ones yeah, that were pure sure. rap workouts right mm-hmm. that were you know i mean for specifically freaks and geeks and bonfire right yeah like, I was gonna, th- those are like th- those are the two so much so that i mean i i think my chops are back because i i listened to it recently when he did uh it was the it was bonfire over the stranger things yeah. um yeah and that was excellent that kind of whipped me back into shape but for a while i could i couldn't get through one of those two songs without substituting lyrics from the other because they were they were essentially the same thing right they were track meets and they were awesome well yeah and they were both in the, those and that was like the interesting thing is that those lived in this like post a space right that those yeah. were for me i i always viewed those as it's this interesting thing of like in trying to be taken seriously kind of taking the gold standard of the of the track meet of the rap workout and it's kind of that like you know prime period lil wayne and kind of as, as exemplified by a um and and kind of doing that not once but twice right like you're once to like get everyone's attention and then twice to to prove that it's not a fluke um but then a lot of the other stuff was much more in that kind of emo rap space um and there's some good songs um there there there's some totally good songs on the other albums um and and like the royalty mixtape was was a little different and kind of like was more in the lane of what was going on in hip-hop at the time that that was out but that this has kind of gone the other way and it's all it's not only is it all verses but it's he he sings with many voices right and, and yeah. that's what's really kind of amazing here is that the um the 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 um other the, previously he would sing the hooks with a kind of sing songy version of his yeah. rapping voice right and it was, again doing the Drake thing um the kind For of sure. nasally and a little auto toned and here it, again it's not that it's like you say, it's not that it's great. I mean, I mean, it's interesting to think of a kind of like a types of vocal performance because it's like not technically great singing, but it's performatively great singing, mm-hmm. right? It's oh, like yeah. it's like the best case scenario for karaoke. Right? Yeah, it's like, very right. emotive but, and yeah. yeah. And he he kind of he was good at serving a lot of these songs. Um, on on some of them, um, shoot, I want to say. Uh, no, it's uh, it's it's one of the earlier songs. I don't want to say the wrong one and totally misrepresent my point. But like the uh, the, the final song on uh, the the album "Stand Tall," that's kind of he's kind of on his chance the rapper there, where yeah. he's kind of this is what I am. This is what my singing voice sounds like. I am genuinely trying to sing right now. I'm not trying. This isn't a tongue in cheek kind of like oh, listen to the to the rap man trying to sing. He he is genuinely trying to carry a tune there, and I think I think that's a beautiful song. Anyway, that that song is pretty much a Stevie Wonder song. But yes, um, yes. you you mentioned uh, you mentioned the use of auto tune, and I don't think I've ever enjoyed auto tune on an album as much as I have on this album because when. I mean, T Pain doesn't count, obviously, because everything T Pain does is perfect. Because T uh, Pain as mu- is as much of a robot as a character from Westworld, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> but like, uh, Kanye, like I enjoy Kanye's use of auto tune, but a lot of times I'm upset with how he chooses to use it, and I think that a lot of times he overdoes does it, and it takes away from what could have otherwise been very um, 
kind of vulnerable performances. And in this, it's so seldomly used, but when it is used, it hits the spot. Like the, his use of it in zombies was, yeah. I, I, I was on the first listen and this was kind of when I was starting to turn from this sounds like a weird, uh, kind of joke to this is genuinely a well-crafted and uh and certainly well-recorded and mixed album that he he starts the verse kind of in as you said one of these sort of weird voices that he puts on and when when the autotune does kick in about halfway through the verse it's just it's kind of unexpected and it just serves the song so so incredibly well um in fact there were Usually I feel that autotune is overused, even though I'm a huge proponent of it. Uh, I could have even used maybe a tad bit more of it on this album. I, but I thought that when it was used, it was just really, really well and tastefully used. Yeah, say uh, leave them wanting more autotune, right? Which is like it's, it's, yeah. it's a rarity in this day was, and age. Who has ever said that? But I, I seriously feel that way. I mean, I think that what's also really interesting about it is that it's. It, and this is what's, I think, really one of the interesting things about this album is that it is, you know, that the the way that autotune is used on zombies and I think especially on California um, yeah. are are in step with kind of contemporary like R and B and and rap and the kind of like a lot of the stuff that's like right at the um, borderland of those, but it also kind of functions in a way that like kind of vocoder and talk box and other kinds of these like older kind of more analog vocal distortion technologies like function in um like your kind of funk and soul you mentioned i mean i was thinking a lot when i I also heard some of the stevie wonder connections and like especially like talking book and the albums like right or like one or two albums on either side of talking book um from the 70s and then like i mean obviously you know you can't talk about this album without talking about like with uh george clinton and parliament um funkadelic um um, okay, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so, but the, I feel like this is also re kind of historicizing the um, auto tune as being one of several kind of of these like lo- longer listing, lo- longer existing tools of kind of vocal manipulation that exists in the funk space, right? Yeah, and I mean that's such a good point that you raise because the. The use of vocal manipulation went from cool and innovative to, um, like, kitsch so quickly, right? Yeah. And everyone got so sick of it. And now even with – I don't even know what the the tool is, to be honest. I think it's called a prismizer that – that Francis and the Lights is using. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, like – it's really great. And it it improves songs. It, It doesn't detract from them. And the, I mean, I don't know if rehistoricizing is a word, but that, but that, that phrase that you just said, rehistoricizing the auto tune, like it, it puts such a timeless sound. Like the the rest of the sounds are the same, right? That we've heard over the years from, as you said, uh, Funkadelic and all these other acts, like the, the funky wah guitar, those, the, the really like thick meaty bass line, the uh, the choruses being sung in God like three different octaves. Those are all those familiar things are there, but this new kind of relatively new. I mean, going back to 2001, whenever it was, uh, or maybe even the 90s with Filter. But this relatively new sound can can work with. Um, a very vintage and timeless thing that we're that we've been used to for so long. Yeah, but it was that is what like sets it all apart from um, kind of more slavishly like kind of retro and and kind Bruno of, Mars type like yeah, exactly. direct Jack. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like this is downtown funk as opposed to Bruno Mars's Bruno Mars yes. and Mark Ronson's uptown funk, right? Uh, I don't I don't know if it's run yet, but uh, Julian Benbow from the Boston Globe, who is just an unbelievable music critic. You read his stuff and you're so angry with yourself that you can't access these thoughts. Um, he wrote something on this. Uh, kind of on the comeback of funk and how Kendrick has brought it back and how all these different artists have brought it back. And he says, uh, he makes a distinction. He says, uh, like, make no mistake. Uptown funk is great. It's great ear candy. It's great pop. 
but it's not funk. And it wasn't funk when Bruno Mars put a dog Snapchat filter on it and called it 24 karat magic. <laughs> you know, I, I, while we're uh, while while we're ragging on Bruno Mars, I mean, there's also this amazing line in the Pitchfork review of 24 K Magic that described him as an animatronic um, uh, sequin suit. I believe. <laughs> I lo- I mean, I love Bruno Mars. I know you do. I I really dig the album, but I'm. My, I get very, very worked up about how people react to, to Bruno Mars because he is exactly what you just said, what Julian wrote. He is a cover band, and I love a good cover band, and Bruno Mars is the best cover band. So um, as long as you don't misunderstand – as long as you don't talk about Bruno Mars and Childish Gambino in the same sentence, we good, right? Like you're right. – Childish Gambino is trying to reaccess something that hasn't been accessed, um, or I should say is now being accessed more and more, but for a long time was not accessed. Bruno Mars is picking his favorite song of yesteryear and finding a way to re-record it by using the same instrumentation, by like really tuning his vocals, not using the actual like Antares auto-tune, but tuning his vocals to make them sound perfect is the only difference between... The sounds you heard uh, in the early 90s with New Jack Swing and yeah. what you he- a lot of what you hear on this Bruno Mars album. So he's shameless about it. And I, I don't think that uh, <laughs> I don't think that Childish Gambino is being shameless. I would say Childish Gambino is shameful Bruno Mars. That's yeah. a compliment. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, the the another way to think about this is it's a, a a term that's kind of been on my mind a lot. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching um, the most recent season of South Park, right? But there's this concept in the most recent season of mouth, uh, South Park of member berries, which are these weird sentient super fruits that <laughs> uh, that induce nostalgia, and they and they they talk and they say things mostly they're mostly nostalgic for um, Star Wars, so like. <laughs> Like, remember Chewbacca? Yeah, yeah, I remember Chewbacca. Uh, and I guess, spoiler alert, the member berries also lead to the election of Donald Trump. Um, oh, God. Like, uh, and, and there's this, like, weird kind of connection between The Force Awakens and it being a retread of Star Wars and <laughs> and, and and the popularity of Trump. Uh, and it's this interesting meditation on nostalgia and, the, and, and on this kind of simplifying and sanitizing nostalgia. And I, I do think that uh, Bruno Mars is member berries funk a, a little bit um so well uh, rachel I, I this kind of connects to something that you and i've been talking about of i i think that like critics are actually kind of divided on this album so i think overall the critical reception is really good but i think there are some that are like calling this like i mean there's two kinds of pizza pieces of critical contention that i think that we're that that we're in, in the, our discussion here are pushing against one is that this either i think there are some critics that say this is um uh childish gambino being a parliament funkadelic cover band i mean um and then i think the other that is pretty uni- universal in a lot of the reviews i've seen is that california is a cheese ball song <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and is and and is a low point on the album so um uh, would you care to take the contrary position on one or both of these points yeah no it's interesting i do think there is a lot of yeah i think there is a there is a fair number of um there's like a mass of critics that do sort of feel like this is a retread of 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 funk and like of like Parliament Funkadelic songs in particular and that you know and it's almost like too much of an homage and not enough of a not enough of a you know way forward despite it being I think done very earnestly and I think I think it's it's interesting because DJ like you were saying how like your initial reactions like this can't be this is like he's <laughs> not he's not being earnest and then you were. Um, you were sold that he was like committed to the project. And I think for some of the critics, it's like, there's this sense of, it's like, Oh, you're being earnest. Uh, like, Oh, that's like, I'm embarrassed for you. Uh, because this is too much of a, too much of a, like, can't be retread of, 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 Sort of better, better music. Right, or it's like, like, oh, oh, you like funk music? How gauche? Yeah, right. Like, oh, <laughs> oh no, I think they like funk music. I just think they they think it's gauche for him to sort of like 
do this. I don't know. Yeah. I, what, one of my biggest issues with uh, music criticism is that something being derivative, like derivative is a black eye. And I, mm. I hate that. And um, my favorite contemporary groups would suggest that I am very much a champion of the derivative. Like I, I love Haim. I, I, I very much do enjoy Bruno Mars who again, Bruno Mars is in his own category because he is, he, he's just straight up jacking stuff and paying the people for what he's taking. But I think that being derivative is a good thing. You, uh, to your point, Rachel, as long as you kind of forge ahead or even go side to side, that's that's okay. If you want to live in the same space where your favorite songs lived, why who the hell is anybody to say that that's a wrong thing that you're doing? You're I, I think that's that's as exploratory as anything else because it it's it's got to be daunting. If he's a funkadelic fan and he does that uh have some time for one another song, which is the exact same song as the but I want to know song, then he give that guy credit because he's trying to, I shouldn't say it's the exact same song, but it's very similar. He's trying to kind of exist in that same space, but he's doing it without being Bruno Mars about it. And I I think, I always think that's commendable. Um, uh, on you brought up California. My friend the other day made another point that I was mad. I didn't think of first. All California is, is Island in the sun. And, you can have you can make Island in the Sun if the, if you're kind of um, I don't want to say I guess being less basic on the rest of your songs and I don't think that I don't think that having one sort of dumbed down song makes it a dumbed down album. Yeah, I I agree, and I actually I like the song. I don't um, really so do I. Yeah, so do I. I don't really find the song uh, as as horrible or irritating as like every crit i don't know what it is it's like all the critics got together and like the critic cartel and we're like it's, let's all shit on california we all agree right, right. the song is terrible yeah, yeah. it's well, like it's, all right uh, yeah agenda item four of the critic cartel yeah. like like which gambino song do we all shit on like uh right. california yes yeah. okay. second california. In, second we in, hate well, it's, it. much like island in the sun it just has like a very simple chord progression that repeats Essentially, throughout the whole song, Out in the Sun actually, come to think of it, has a middle eight. So I don't know why everyone docked that one. But um, it's it's I think it's just because we're of a time where being basic, again, much like being derivative, is considered a bad thing. I consider myself wonderfully basic, and I'll be damned if a good basic song is going to be considered bad for its simplicity. Well, I think, though, that there's something uh, I, I actually even want to kind of um, go even deeper, because I actually think that there there are two interesting things that are going on here that it also shows the way in which this is kind of, rather than being a retread, it's kind of this misreading and and kind of a, 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 a synthesis, right? So that um, I think that there's two things going on. Like, actually, in this, the singing style and and in the way like this is one of the songs where the vocals especially in the verses get the closest to rapping right and uh and again it's it's just it's not even that close but it's about as close as anything on the album um but with the auto-tune and the kind of sing rapping um and and with the um the instrumentation what it um reminds me a lot of is one of my songs of the summer which is uh don't mind by kent jones wonderful song (laughs) Uh, I love that song so much. I mean, that was that was a a a a banger of the summer uh, for me, and and so I think this lives in that space. That that's actually really engaging with pop, right? And and um, but in the context of the album, it's again the ways in which this kind of deeper lineage of of funk and kind of a, a a broader of both funk and rock are still connected to what's happening in R&B and kind of um a kind of poppy R&B today and then the other piece of it that I hear and, and Rachel had pointed this out um in the vocal is that this is also kind of a vampire weekend song <laughs> um, yeah. um and especially like the later uh, vampire weekend albums also had Ezra singing through autotune right 
right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and and especially the kind of kind of auto tune in the highest registers where it kind of cracks and breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that and I feel like that is also this other piece of the. I mean, that goes all the way back to the earliest childish Gambino pieces that had you know those rapping over indie rock songs, right? And so that it's this at this nexus of you know both the kind of crate digging of 70s funk and then but still has you know um you know uh, two the feet are still firmly planted in this kind of nexus of indian pop that it's kind of at the heart of what is um of what music in 2016 is right and and you know in the same way that um solange's seat at the table was this kind of expansive you know auteur soul album that was then also produced by like you know, yeah, like, with, like indie rock with, with like, yeah, the, the Brooklyn indie rock elite, right? <laughs> like, um, that, that this is like kind of happening, um, in a lot of ways. So even like the, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's, it's like, um, uh, you know, uh, it's more like one of my favorite, uh, it's, it's a Kanye lyric, right? Uh, it's like even, even the superficial songs are super it's official, super official, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that, that, um, and so even on this song that feels like the thrill away um like i mean I, I mean i can ring i mean i just ran we I, we just rang like 10 to 15 minutes out of out of the song that everyone uh the, right the, the punching the, bag yeah, yeah yeah i mean so what else i mean for this for you i mean we talked a little bit about um zombies but what were some other um standout songs for you guys um where stuff really kind of uh clicked or or stuff that you found yourself kind of going back to as you um listened to the album over the last week uh well boogeyman for sure yeah. um mm-hmm. Bo- boogeyman redbone um red redbones redbone yeah. um uh stand tall definitely uh riot have some i mean really i <laughs> i celebrate the guy's entire catalog no like i i really pretty much every song on this album i can't i i, I usually try to not skip songs on albums anyway but I listen to this album in succession and I, I enjoy most seconds of it. Stand tall is, um, stand tall's probably my favorite just because, uh, of all of the things of all the, uh, sources from which, uh, or by which he's inspired <coughs> Stevie wonder happens to be my favorite, you know, like I, I prefer, uh, I prefer Stevie wonder to parliament to funkadelic and all those things. So, uh, that's probably my favorite one, but I I love Boogeyman. I love just the the very funk cliche of everybody singing along to one line, and it's uh, yeah, it's it, it slaps. Yeah, and that was like one of the things that was the one of the always things I always associated with Parliament and like Sly and the Family Stone as well is is the like the funk sing along right yeah and, and, right yeah it's all in unison yeah and 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 like you imagine and i you know i didn't see a lot or hear a lot of of coverage of this right but that um this album was premiered over the summer at this at the festival that right. um that was curated it, yeah Right, and it was like you could not bring your cell phone. It was like the requirements were like no cell phones and uh, and like no irony. Right, <laughs> it was like were the requirements. And I could imagine right that this like would lend itself to like you know um, like vision vision. And it was like at Joshua Joshua Tree, right? Mm-hmm. So it's well, like, yeah, that's where it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like it was like it was like a mini Burning Man ish experience. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I was gonna say right. I, I was gonna say it's a one man Coachella, but like right, a one man. <laughs> Yeah, but with like the kind of, I think if you're going into that situation, like you're you're kind of there to do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then but then without like the kind of, um, I feel like Bernie Man has been totally uh, co-opted by billionaires who just Overrun, like yeah no right who just want like who want Bernie Man to be the social experiment like what happens if we dismantle government and like right. all public services are like privatized. Or like provided at the legress of like billionaires, right? So this it's is getting, like let's find out this is, this in the is, middle of this desert. So this is getting Burning Man back to its roots: the drugs, right? The, I mean, that's dr- what I'm right. Dr- drugs and deserts, right? right exactly. Like, this is getting it back to its roots of like drugs, deserts, music, like being present, chill, chill vibes, <laughs> chill vibes, right? Um, <laughs> but. <coughs> 
Yeah, no, I, I, I do think it's, I mean, it is interesting because, like, I think even that is, like, definitely, like, a stance, like, no, I am taking you on an earnest new direction in which there's, like, there's nothing to Instagram for it will not be clever. It shall yeah. be earnest. <laughs> there's yeah. nothing to Instagram. Yeah, you know, I think I think the other al- uh, angle on this album that we haven't talked about a lot is that as much as this is an amazing like funk album, is an amazing kind of um, like you know w- in a way this uh, kind of R and B album. It's also a rock album, yeah, right. Um, and it has like, sure. a good last stretch to um, to ta- uh, to talk about. And it kind of there's pieces, and I mean there's a longer history of like funk kind of being in dialogue with rock music and these kind of great um, funk. Uh, guitarists playing with rock bands and vice versa but i feel like i mean and it's not there on a super obvious level but in this way of kind of engaging with like funk in this kind of genre bending way with like funk and rap uh and rock uh funk and rock i i i can't help i think given the year i can't help but think of prince weirdly um and again it's not that this is super surface level prince sounding but especially like kind of live prince um and i and i you know especially think of like you know super bowl halftime show mm. devil schlong uh you know uh, uh guitar solo prince uh, for you know, Purple Rain guitar solo prints, or kind of shredding away. You know, some of the live stuff that um, surfaced after his passing of him, like um, some of these. You know, the guitar gently weeps prints, and and kind of uh, the, some of the really re- uh, guitar heavy revamps of like Let's Go Crazy. I don't know. I felt like that there were these vibes of, of this way of kind of engaging with a a rock heavy funk and soul album. Felt like in communion with the spirit of prince i don't know if you guys kind of connected with that at all well i think that um even just by doing a new thing that's kind of prince in and of itself right that um to make as hard a left as um as he made with this and again a lot of people are kind of doing this these days um not as i mean this is way more funk than Kendrick has done to this point, yeah. right? Like, like to pimp a butterfly was it was funk, it was jazz, it was certainly rap, it was so many things. That's why it's one of the the great recent albums. But this was really a rapper saying no more rap. And mm-hmm. when when rappers have made funk albums, they've not done that. They've rapped. Uh, this was so. This was a. Uh, this was a pr- a total Prince move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a <laughs> that's I think that's a great way to put it. I think the other way to kind of think of it as a, a very Prince doing move- it well, I should say. By the way, yeah, right? Not like, like Prince didn't do weird stuff and screw up. Um, like Beck doesn't Beck doesn't make these departures from what he was previously doing and then do a bad job at a new thing. That's what makes artists <laughs> like Prince artists like Beck so important and give them the staying power that they've had. And to me, like this, this makes me believe in childish Gambino that when he comes out with a, um, with God, a, like a classic rock album that it's going to be like, not that bad. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think that that's, and I think it's also another way that it is also a total Prince move is that it's like, it, it is working in this kind of like, you know, multi multimedia, multidimensional space. I mean, and, um, you know, in, in there's, I mean, not that there is a complimentary feature film, but this kind of straddling the line between, you know, film and kind of visual or performance art and and albums, right? There's kind of a reverse Purple Rain, right? That you know, the actor yeah. kind of kind of moving into this, you know, an autorish actor and filmmaker, um, you know, especially with like the success of Atlanta this year as well, um, and sure. and uh, you know, kind of moving from uh, autorish actor, filmmaker, TV kind of showrunner uh, to auto- funk auteur is kind of like the reverse trajectory that. 
um, that that Prince was was running at the kind of height of his powers with kind of you know the Purple Rain, the album, and and the film um, uh, dropping concurrently. And even though they are they live together, I mean, Purple Rain, the film is its is its own thing, you know, uh, uh, unto itself. Right. Uh, and it is um, it is totally bizarre um, <laughs> and and uh, and and not always. I will I will say it succeeds on its own terms uh and and, and you must take it on those terms <laughs> um and uh and, and, well dude like this guy wrote for uh 30 rock which right. is that's a for a um like a prime time thursday night musty tv uh nbc comedy show that's as close to succeeding on your own terms yeah. as as a show can get so yeah, yeah. The prince the prince gambino parallels that we're unearthing are uh, really something yeah exactly um well and then and again to, to bring it all full circle correct me if i'm wrong but that time that we all saw childish gambino uh and weathered the storm of his fans uh i believe you were wearing a shirt with a picture of prince that says that's, michael jackson on it right <laughs> that's right my favorite t-shirt <laughs> Um, and, and, and your favorite t-shirt and now like maybe the saddest t-shirt on earth. (laughs) Yeah. When I go to put it on, I have to see Prince's beautiful dead face. Yeah. yeah. It would would uh, only, it would only be sadder if the back of it is a picture of David Bowie and the text Leonard Cohen. (laughs) Wow. Doubling down. That's harsh. That's four dead guys in one shirt. (laughs) Yeah, it's so like shooting. Much. It's like the shooting the moon of amazing dead guys with uh, Harambe like, on the tag. <laughs> oh no! Exactly. I mean, it's ensuring that you will get the shit beat beat out of you by anybody in any context. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. Actually, that's totally uh, amazing. Um, um, I will. Uh, oh yeah. Go, of, ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no! I was gonna say. I will say. I. You know, just as a sort of note, I'm glad that he made this left turn. I, I will say like as much as I'm, I'm not totally sure where I am on, on whether or not this is like too derivative or not. You know, I'm not really sure where I lie on that divide in part. Cause I think I'm just probably not like as familiar, you know, I, I'm not like really deeply immersed in, in, in P funk right, um, to really like, to really like make that call. Um, but I will say that, like, I appreciate him t- making this left term, if anything, because it just puts puts this, like, retread of this sound out there. And I think that's good for the popular culture as a whole, because I think when you once, like, there's, like, there's, like, more movers on, like, just resurrecting a sound. Yeah. I, I think it's good for, like, I, I, like, look forward to hearing, like, more and more things that like play in the space, right? Yeah, and I mean it, these types of things. And like I always say this about Taylor Swift. When everyone's like, "Oh, who cares about Taylor Swift? She doesn't matter." Taylor Swift matters so much because what she does is going to inform what a lot of other people do, and that's yeah. not necessarily like um, like uh, Schoolboy Q is going to hear Taylor Swift and be like, "All right, my next album's going to sound like this." <laughs> but ch- like young children are going to hear things in taylor swift songs progressions in taylor swift songs instrumentation in taylor swift songs and those are going to have little kind of member berries i guess in (laughs) young kids heads and then when they learn to play instruments when they learn to start to express themselves musically those are kind of the familiar things on which they rely so it's super important for the sake of funk that a very popular artist is is putting good funk out there and uh, funk uh, enthusiasts might not love this album. They might be able to point us to a hundred better funk albums, but it should still be important to them and meaningful to them that um, that funk is kind of re-entering uh, pop culture in the way that it has. It doesn't need to be the best kind of funk. It just it needs to be there for the the staying power of the genre. Um, getting back to death, I my only intention on this podcast was to bring up in zombies when they say we're eating you for profit uh i know that like they're talking about corporate america and everything but just the line we're eating you for profit suggests that 
it only suggests that these are competitive eaters who are zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like nobody has pointed that out. And at face value, that is the funniest lyric I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I love the idea of them like uh, the zombies are like uh, uh, preparing to swallow hot dogs. <laughs> right. but but the, but as in soil and green the hot dogs are made of people and ideas right. the hot dogs are filled with creativity <laughs> yes with the with the like weird discarded parts of creativity and like interesting ideas that have been like bundled up into some undistinguishable pulp and then cased i mean i love and that then idea. they just swallow them and don't I, even I chew i love that idea of the pop culture sausage right like, <laughs> is that a pop culture sausage is made of all all of the like unusable parts of pop culture. <laughs> oh god! So there's crazy. a piece of there's this piece of Spencer Pratt in each and every sausage. <laughs> right. that <is> made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, kind of thinking about like kind of the sausage making. I mean, I think the other kind of weird um, and this I, process of constituting and reconstituting kind of these raw materials is something that I thought about a lot in this album as well. And I think another way of which is reviving. Um, I, I think one theme of our conversation has been how this album reconstitutes funk from a kind of lens of hip-hop. And and another way of, of thinking about this is that it's this kind of like google translate uh of of funk music right so it kind of it takes like they're like funk through the lens of like dr dre and g funk and kind of west coast hip-hop mm-hmm. um and then that has kind of come back in a very big way over the last like you know five years or so and and, and is still big this year with like yg's success um and and like anderson pack and and all of this type of stuff yeah. um and, and, and a number of other i mean kendrick obviously um schoolboy all of that um but then then this is kind of then going from the kind of new wave of of west coast kind of funk inspired rap back to funk, right? And kind of is post-pasting it back into the Google Translate. Uh, and, and again, what happens when you kind of do that is that not everything, um, not, not everything gets retransposed, right? And, and, right. and it gets, it gets transformed in the process. And I think that that kind of those weird moments and the, and the weird juxtapositions and these little misreadings, um, is what separates it. The imperfections is what makes it, um, separates it from, um, uh, from from uh, Bruno Mars, right? It's like it doesn't need to be twenty twenty four k, right? Like yeah. you know that like like the actual magic is that this is like is, that this is gold plated, right? Like right, uh, and and that that's like you know there's nothing there's nothing magic about like you know pure solid gold, like like that's that's gold, uh, right? But the, I think the the real magic is in in the kind of is right that what um what what childish Gambino is. Is, is an alchemist, right? And he's taking these things that are, you know, whether it's the pop sausage or kind of these kind of uh, overall kind of more abundant metals and turning them into something that is kind of valuable, right? And I, I think that that process of kind of this creative, oh, uh, repurposing and and reenvisioning is what I think what is drawing all of us to this album. And and and, and again, it's it's it it it's so easy to tell. Um, it, it it just hits really hard and so much harder than other things that are surface level similar. Um, and I think that's that's what makes this, um, you know, such a such a compelling listen. Yeah. So, so that's, I think that's it. I think we did it, man. I think we, uh, <laughs> we, 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 we ran it. We ran out the clock. So uh, I'm going to say that there, there was not an, and I, I, I'm, I do this more than I should. I brag about podcasts while on, while <laughs> doing <the> podcast. <laughs> like I, I very much, uh, I have a Mitch Hedberg quality of, uh, <laughs> judging my set during the set to the audience. Um, <laughs> But there was not an ounce of fat in this discussion. I, I thought that this was like a very, very interesting, uh, productive conversation about Childish Gambino. I mean, that's what we, you know, uh, that, that's what we aim for on the Theory for Turntables podcast is efficiency and productivity. Always. <laughs> in our, in our pop, pop culture. Well, we are most a, podcasts are very, very efficient. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I think that is one of these things. I mean, I guess that is the, the, the idea is that, you know, Especially in these kinds of things, right? That 
um, this, all of this stuff, I mean, that's the overall mission on overthinking it, but especially with, um, with with theory for turntables is that this stuff is working through um all of the uh, you know these albums as they drop um is is a communal experience right and we're kind of taking that those text message chains uh between dispersed groups of friends and um and blowing it out for an hour right and kind of and uh and 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 i think it's really um and and what you kind of discover together by kind of pulling on all of these um, threads is what's super fun about this. And I think it's, it gets easy to just kind of put in put it put in your earbuds and kind of just like have this be solitary um, until you and enter the Gambino Dome for, for <laughs> and, and encounter all of the you know thousands of other college students who enjoy this in a way that's different from you. I think that there's a lot of different ways to engage with this stuff. And and as, I think as we were discussing, I mean especially as you start to, you know the it's it's early December so all of the um, top ten top twenty albums of the year lists are coming out and and it's a shame because I think this will get lo- left off of a lot of those, right? They were mm-hmm. already like they were Ridden. already queued up in the content management systems um, uh, by the time this was out, uh, and it, it's a shame because I think that this is very much of a piece of everything that's hitting most of these top tens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that there really is this interesting moment, and I think when you know in 10, uh, 10 20, 30 years looking back, um, I mean it's hard to know what will stand the the, the test of time, but that there is a kind of coherent <coughs> moment that's going on and there's a few different uh, intersections but i think this is right at the at the heart of that and it's um it's super cool it's super cool stuff uh so listeners kind of join in this conversation there's a lot of ways to get involved uh on twitter we're at tft podcast we're on facebook at theory for turntables and you can join conversation on the show notes at overthinking it uh dj where can people find you on the internet uh, you can find me on the web on Twitter at DJ underscore Bean. Uh, you can find my writing at csnne.com. Uh, I also do a bit of music writing for uh, Vanyaland, so you can check out some stuff over there. And the Brunch podcast uh, on Twitter at Listen to Brunch. Awesome. So check out all of that. Uh, thank you, DJ, for joining us. Thank you, Rachel, for joining us. Um, and we will continue next week. We are approaching Christmas, which means uh, we're getting every week a little closer to my favorite tradition, in which I pick a handful of pop and indie Christmas album and ruin Matt Rather's Christmas. Uh, so, uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and wherever we go next week as we wrap up, up the new albums of 2016 just know that we will keep it real